Hey guys, it's your host Julian. Today, January 4th, marks the 25th anniversary of one of Cartoon Network's greatest shows of all time, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. So we decided to do something a little bit special. Go over to our YouTube channel, check out the video we did, let us know what you think, and enjoy Ed, Ed, and Eddie's 25th anniversary. If you've followed my channel for even a brief moment, you'll have seen just how special and important Ed, Ed, and Eddie was and continues to be in my life. It was a show that captured what it truly felt like to be a kid. Growing up is already a weird enough experience for all of us, so to see a show that captured the true essence of adolescence during such a crucial and transformative time in so many of our lives is why I think this series is one of the greatest to ever adorn our TV screens and live rent-free in our heads and hearts for the last two plus decades. Double D? My tummy feels all wiggly and crawly We would see everyday issues tackled like self-doubt, self-loathing, bullying both verbally and physically, as well as the inherent want and need to be seen and accepted by their peers within the cul-de-sac. Don't prove it! No! The issues that are tackled in the show truly make it a series that was, and in some cases still is, ahead of its time. We would see other cartoons around this era that would tackle a lot of these same plot points, but the cast and crew for The Edge really had it dialed in and they set the bar on these topics at Cartoon Network. Ed, Ed and Eddie spun out of the mind of Danny Antonucci is a love letter to his childhood. Trace it off again, put that down, get another Danny would ultimately it. retain the rights to create and produce the show in Vancouver and would be created at his animation studio, AKA Cartoon. One of the things that set this show in particular apart from a lot of the other series on at the time was the push for a board-driven show. Many shows were board-driven at this time at Cartoon Network. However, Danny wanted to put a true emphasis on that term. God, we've done so many of those things in order to come up with the final product. If you listen to any interview that Danny's ever given, you will hear how passionate he is about art and the medium of traditional animation. I've been extremely fortunate to have a lot of these cast members and crew members on my show. So getting to hear the day-to-day -day stories of what it was like at AKA Cartoons through their eyes it's just no shock at just how tight-knit and hard-working and brilliant this team was. And there were a lot of hurdles, and um, I know when he was, you know, when he was younger. Um... And at the center of all of that, gluing all of these very young artists and writers together, was Danny. Guy who came up with Ed and Eddie, and you're watching the Cartoon Network podcast. For a lot of folks on the Ed Boys, this is their first job within the animation industry. Through his quest for perfection on every word of dialogue, every pencil to paper, every paint to sell, and every voice to a character, we would see a true student of the game at the height of his powers deliver an absolute masterclass into what can be accomplished with an animation. Yeah, I, I came into this already being friends with him, so I, I kind of had a different... The picture that's been painted from all of the artist, writers, and voice actors, they would all echo the same theme. Loud punk rock music would be bumping in the studio. Wild wrestling matches would break out between the artists. I sort of picked, you know, all different little traits that I have. And there was a drive to make the person next to you laugh with the art being produced and one of my all-time favorite stories involving Big Jim, Joel Dickey, Danny Antonucci, and the complete and utter destruction of an old boombox, office space style. This would make up one of the most eclectic and passionate teams Cartoon Network would ever see. But before we dive into our favorite Ed Boys, I do think we need to flash back just a smidge to get a glimpse of what Danny brought into this world before changing the game with Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Danny would end up working on a plethora of projects for studios from the early days of Hanna-Barbera before moving on to other networks. We would see him lend his talent and skills to series like Scooby and Scrappy-Doo, The Smurfs, The Flintstone Comedy Show, The Richie Rich and Scooby-Doo Show, 
and a couple other projects before heading over to MTV. We would see Danny create Lupo the Butcher, the Brothers Grunt, all within his tenure for MTV, and he would also go on to co-create Cartoon Sushi, an adult animated block that aired between 1997 and 1998 with Keith Alcorn. Post-MTV, in my opinion, is where we would all be witness to Danny's ascendance into that legendary status within animation. While his previous shorts, cartoon showcases, and commercials are all outstanding, I truly feel that his sensibility, his never-ending fights to tell his stories his way with the executives, producers, and the network that was Aaron, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, is why this show has lived rent-free in our lives for so long. We would see the debut for this unforgettable series on January 4th, 1999 for Cartoon Network. Right as the show starts, we are greeted with one of the greatest intros of all time. Patrick Caird, the composer for all of the music and sound effects, would go on to create an unforgettable theme song to accompany the seminal show. From the get-go, Danny wanted a jazzy R&B-S vibe to open the series. And he would lend his whistling techniques for the opening intro. Patrick would go on to explain that the vibe that Danny was looking for was an inspiration from Big Noise from Winnetka by the Bobcats. This theme song would be a tremendous gateway into the series. We would see the three Eds in the theme song and we would get a glimpse into each of their personalities. We would see a silly and goofy Ed, a perfectionist in Double D, and Eddie's showmanship would be front and center. I had mentioned previously that I think one of the factors for the series' longevity and why it speaks to so many of us is for the themes that we would see throughout this show's tenure. An integer of four, added. But another huge reason this show has stood the test of time is because of how much life the writers and storyboard artists would breathe into these characters. The character development as well as the character growth throughout this series is just stunning. What is that, Rob? The hat of discipline. Do you live in a The fact that we can all relate to any one or multiple characters throughout the series is a true mark of something special. I can attest to my life growing up, I knew a Ed, I knew a Rolf, I knew a Kevin, a Naz, the Kanker sisters, and we could literally go on and on with each character represented within this show. Another thing that I think that helps this show stand out so much is the way that this series is animated. In a chat I had with Mike Kubat, one of the main writers for this series, I remember asking him what was up with that shaky line that would be around the characters. Mike would go on to explain that this is a boiling line, and the way it was explained to the crew was that these kids have a lot of energy, so we need to showcase the never-ending movements and the energy that exudes from these youthful characters. But let's take a look at some of these amazing and sometimes surreal characters that would inhabit the Peach Creek cul-de-sac. Let's start with the Eds. Ed, voiced by the great Matt Hill, is hands down my favorite of the three. I'll be honest, when picking an Ed, it's truly like picking your favorite kid. However, in my eyes, for me, it's Ed hands down. It is not your fault that Ed is the heart and soul of this show. He isn't the smartest, but he makes up for his lack of intelligence with not only brute strength, but with his childlike wonder at the world and his capacity for caring. His sometimes over-the-top imagination and his love for all things buttered toast and chickens really helped drive some of my favorite episodes from this series. Next we got Double D, voiced by Sam Vincent. Double D's is hands down the brains of the group. His character would start out very sarcastic and would have the tendency of mumbling under his breath his discontent for what was going on throughout the first season. We would see him make a character shift and transition into more of a timid, shy character throughout the rest of the series. And to me, this is where his character started to shine. Be that this scurvy sky. This would give Double D more depth and range while interacting with the other two Eds. Not to mention, it was a very nice counter to Eddie's character trait. We would see a very obsessive compulsive and a complete neat freak out of Double D. Times call for desperate measures. There's no Last but not least, when it comes to the Ed boys is Eddie. 
Eddie voiced by Tony Sampson for sure would have been voted most likely to run a used car lot. Plank, plank, plank. Whereas Ed and Double D are the heart and brains of the operation, Eddie is the spirit of the show. <laughs> Eddie is that kid we all know that always had something that wasn't totally ethical or legal cooking up. He's always got a hustle that in theory would lead him to making that big money. His goal, like the other Eds, is to buy and die on the finest of jawbreakers in the Peach Creek community that money could buy. Something to note about Eddie is his unwillingness to quit or give up. I think we could all take something from that specific characteristic of Eddie. No matter how many times his back is against the wall, his consistent nature to never quit or waver from his convictions are a testament to just how strong his will and his self-confidence is. We would see a multitude of supporting characters enter the show. What was so brilliant about this series was everyone had their time to shine. Did you see him or not? Nobody fell out of place, and like I mentioned before, we could draw a lot of parallels from our own lives with each and every one of these characters. Ha! I'd pay money to see that. The first of these characters up is Kevin. Kevin, voiced by Kathleen Barr, is the neighborhood bully. Kevin would enter most scenes glued to his bike, whether it's riding it, posted up on the corner. Next up would be Naz. Guys are totally acting like jerks. What are you Naz would end up being voiced by a few different folks. Jen Forgey, Tabitha St. Germain, but Naz would ultimately be voiced long-term by the great Aaron Fitzgerald. If you guys are as old as I am, you can draw some correlations to Naz if you know who Avril Lavigne is. Naz is that type of chick that looked like she'd be in a Blink-182 and the X Games. For most of the writers, Naz would actually be the most difficult one to write for. The next four characters actually come in pairs. First up, we got Sarah and Jimmy. You look better already! Sarah and Jimmy are best friends and they are the definition of yin and yang. Sarah is voiced by Janice Jod. She is the younger sister of Ed, and in temperament and tone, she is 180 degrees in comparison to both her big brother Ed and Jimmy. Throughout the series, we would see her being very assertive and sometimes downright cruel to not only her older brother, but quite a few other kids within the cul-de-sac. <laughs> Jimmy, voiced by Keenan Christensen, is a quiet boy with some of the funniest looking headgear. He breaks bad for an episode or two, but he is a very quiet weak and can sometimes dial up that charm to be a really sweet guy. When things would get tough for Jimmy, we would see Sarah step in and fight a lot of Jimmy's battles. Next up is the dynamic duo of Johnny 2x4 and Plank. Johnny is a big-headed, lovable weirdo voiced by David Paul Buck Grove, and his best friend is a piece of wood brilliantly named Plank. Plank says beats me! We generally see Johnny as the crazy kooky kid on the block talking to his best friend. Plank, the stoic of the two, is generally seen as having somewhat of a mind of his own, and much like Gandalf, shows up at the exact moment he is needed to solve any and all problems. What the heck is that?! <laughs> The Kanker sisters, Lee voiced by Janice, Marie voiced by Kathleen, and May voiced by Aaron. These characters would end up having a very weird infatuation with our three favorite Eds. We're back! These three live in a trailer park on the outskirts of town and are seen as the main antagonists for the series. Last, but sure as hell not least, is my favorite character in the entire series, Rolf. Rolf voiced by Peter Kalamis, immigrated from a faraway place with a very interesting culture that is generally referred to as the old country. Now out of all of these characters, Rolf in my opinion has the best lines and insults and is the true definition of a scene stealer. We would see Rolf essentially hulk out on many occasions, insult the kids with absolutely no regard for anyone's feelings, and eat some of the most outlandish and wild looking food. A line in particular that I use at least once or twice a week for no reason other than it makes me laugh is confess to your crime stale and piece of white bread. Throughout the entire run of interviews I've had, everyone said the same thing. Rolf was the goat when it came to the series. Yes? Too much for couch potatoes? 
A lot of that happens to be because of Peter's portrayal of the character as well as the amazing life that the artist put into him and the writer built for him. Now that we've got the characters, let's talk about some of my favorite episodes. This series would go for six seasons, one movie, and three holiday specials. We would also see a miniseries titled Cartoon Network Invaded, The Eds Are Coming. So we won't be able to talk about every episode that happens, so I'll pick a couple that stick out so vividly to me to deep dive into. Make sure you drop in the comments below what episodes meant the most to you, and let me know what you thought about the episodes that I picked. From Season 1, I think it doesn't get any better than Dawn of the Eds. Written by John O'Howard, Danny Antonucci, and Rob Boutillier. During this era, title cards were so massive, and I think the Eds had some of the greatest for Cartoon Network. Off the robots, but they also when it comes to this series, I don't think it's talked about enough is just how beautifully this show is drawn. The style from the opening sequence to the end credit scene is just one big chef's kiss. This episode would open up with Ed being tied up and being used as a human dumpster claw machine to find treasure. It would be wrapped up in saran wrap to protect him from the trash and be adorned with snorkeling gear and flippers. We would see him collect literally a handful of glass bottles, one for each finger to turn in for some cash to get them jawbreakers. On the way to collect that cold hard cash, Ed sees a movie poster, Robot Rebel Ranch. Marooned on a distant planet, visitors in the void. And is mesmerized and heartbroken that it's for adults only. While breaking down the movie, all the Eds are riveted to the plot for Robot Rebel Ranch. So much so that they find themselves several miles off course and dumped headfirst into a vast wasteland that is resembling the landscape for Robot Rebel Ranch. We would start to see the fantasy that Ed was building and the reality that the Eds were in melding. And this is another reason that this show is so fun. The storytellers and artists do an amazing job of blurring those lines of imagination as a kid and the reality of the current situation. We would see the Eds adapt to their surroundings and survive while watching cars get compacted. Double D would put his brain meats to the test to ultimately fail and Ed would take them both further down the rabbit hole of his own movie. This would also be the first appearance of the retro van, waterbed and roaches included. We would see all the Eds don space gear and weapons and have just an absolute blast playing in the junkyard. And then our heroes meet the villains, the Kankers. The Kankers would have Kevin tied up on a giant tire, torturing him. We would see Ed save Kevin, our fellow space outlaw. Ultimately, the boys would play for a little while longer until Sarah and Jimmy pop up to tell Ed it's dinner time, thus ending this episode. Three, hands down, the day the Ed stood still. Written by Mike Kubat and Danny Antonucci. We would open up the show with a front yard arcade with Double D and Eddie walking through some carnival games. Ed sees a monster photo op and loses it. We would see him scream, I want to be a monster. Look at me! I am a monster! Double D seeing this as a possibility of being a moneymaker. They would all set out and turn Ed into a monster. Double D puts a mask over Ed's head, and then we would see Ed transform into a monster, attack Eddie, and get loose. Eddie's not the only one that's not safe. All of the kids in the cul-de-sac are not safe with Ed on the loose. Jimmy is the first of the kids to get abducted. Double D starts to get paranoid and Eddie sees a money-making opportunity. Ed would end up luring Johnny Plank, Kevin Naz, and Rolf all into a construction zone to swoop them up. One of the things that I absolutely love about this episode is the visualization and the fact that they make your imagination overreact. I love the scenes where we're looking at it as the perspective of Ed as the monster and he's stalking his prey. These are some of the dopest visuals from any cartoon that I've ever seen. We would end up seeing the rest of the kids snatched up by Ed and taken away. This puts all of the kids into a sheer panic, all except Eddie, that is. 
They would distract Ed with the chicken and retreat to the treehouse. Rolf would end up trying to use Naz as a sacrifice, but it wouldn't work out too great for him. Ed tears the treehouse down, and Rolf and Naz are taken away. Now, in my opinion, this is one of the grossest scenes. We would see all of these kids stuck to the wall with chewed up Chunky Puff cereal. Ultimately, the day is saved inadvertently by Sarah as she rips Ed's mask off. Mom said no parties unless I'm invited! This is two episodes in a row that Sarah's our hero. We would see Eddie and Double D hiding under Eddie's bed littered with chick magazines, sausages, tissues both used and unused as they attempt to ride out the rage storm from the other kids. Don't forget about us in no time. From season four is Little Ed Blue, written by John O'Howard and Danny Antonucci. This one might not crack your top five, but for me, it's an absolute necessity. We would see this scene open up with the latest of the Ed Boy schemes. This time, they would make a black and white Art Deco silent film as Ed playing a monster, Eddie playing a caveman, and Double D playing the damsel in distress. We would see Ed departing from his everyday lovable oaf vibe and turn into that cranky old man and throw everyone out of his garage. Away with you! We would see a huge breakthrough as he would scream at Sarah and scare her enough to leave without any pushback. No. So move! Ed would slam the garage door and head off down the street as Double D and Eddie are left to ponder what is wrong. This episode has one of my favorite pieces of dialogue. As Double D sits down next to Ed, he cleans his upper body with soap to lean in and give him a hug. He is dejected and pushed away by Ed while yelling, Touch me again and I will squash you. Touch me again and I will squash you! Now, with context, it doesn't sound like it's that funny, but it is pretty funny seeing that. You don't see Ed like this, so seeing a character that's generally fun-loving turn into a crabby and angry character was an interesting choice. The reason it works so well is Ed is the last character in the series that you would think of to act like this towards his Ed brothers. We would see Double D and Eddie try to cheer him up by Ed bringing him things that would make him happy. Puddin' skin, a hundred year old sandwich, and a magazine titled Chicks Galore. As a kid seeing this scene, I instantly thought of Nudie Magazine Day from Billy Madison. But I got a pretty big kick out of Eddie's face when it was just a bunch of baby chicks. Seeing the feats of strength that Ed would do throughout this episode by lifting up a stump and turning it around, picking the cul-de-sac kids up all at once, throwing Eddie into a tree, and turning Eddie into a bat to knock Kevin into the outfield made me wonder, if it came down to it, who would win in a fight? Cranky Ed or Ultra Instinct Shaggy? Two, I walk on your space. Drop your comments below on who you choose. We would see Eddie hot tag Double D into the fight to cure Ed's blues. Double D would end up putting a beautifully roasted chicken with a birthday candle complete with a birthday hat into Ed's lap. Needless to say, none of this worked. Out of all the people that you would think that would save the day, it's Johnny 2x4 and Plank swooping in. They come and rescue the Eds by prying off Ed's smelly shoes and dropping a pebble to the ground, instantly changing Ed's mood. Ed is happy once more! Like I said, there were so many episodes that we could have chosen to break down, but these are the three that I think of when I think of Ed, Ed, and Eddie. What are some of the ones that you guys enjoyed? And like I said before, tell me what you thought about the three I picked. If you guys enjoyed this video, maybe next time we can do a top five or top ten favorite episode of all time. Now it goes without saying it just how impactful and important the series is to me, to you all taking the time out of your day to watch this, and the millions of fans that took a journey with the kids from Peach Creek. Sometimes we saw ourselves, our friends, our family members running across the screen when Ed, Ed, and Eddie was playing on our TVs. But when I sit back and reflect at this particular point in my life, the time of me consuming this show at sometimes a breakneck pace, 
I am reminded of a couple things. I'm reminded that no matter what was going on in my life, no matter how sad I was, no matter how upset I was, no matter how little I felt, when this show was on, all of that extra external and sometimes internal bullshit we are all fighting just would fade away. I was left sitting in front of my TV grinning from ear to ear like Ed, watching my pals of Peach Creek try to pull off another fast one in hopes to get that sweet, sweet reward, that ever-elusive jawbreaker. Thanks, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Now, before we close out this episode, I would like to thank a few people that helped me with my deep dive into Ed, Ed, and Eddie. First, I would like to thank you all for watching. I truly appreciate all of you that have ever checked out any of these videos. I would also like to thank Mike Kubat, John O'Howard, Rachel Luckett, Big Jim Miller, Scott Diggs, Joel Dickey, Corey Toomey, Sheeran Johnson, Patrick Caird, Sabrina Albergetti, Matt Hill, Sam Vincent, Tony Sampson, Peter Kalamis, Aaron Fitzgerald, for all coming on my show and talking with me. It's been an absolute honor to getting to dive deep into AKA cartoons and Ed, Ed, and Eddie as a whole. Every single one of you were so gracious with your time and your stories. You guys rock.